Hello, Crossview Rosa Parks. My name is Sandy Asker, and I am one of the pastors here. Thanks for joining us today. Nine years ago, we were making the decision to adopt. I had heard a testimony from someone else who was sharing about their journey of adoption, and she invited us to join them on the journey. A few months later, we were picking our adoption agency and had a caseworker that partnered with us and laid out the groundwork, the vision for what it was going to look like for us for the next few years to do the process of adoption. There was a small group at our church that was for families who either did foster care or had adopted or were in the process of adopting, and that group of people continued to invest in us emotionally and financially, helping us uh, to the point when we moved away. We had people and community, friends and family that supported us as we had a laser focus on adoption for two and a half years. It was quite a journey of perseverance. And the day that we came home with Shunsang, we had some of the people from our small group at the airport, and one of our dear friends took pictures of the first few moments of the Asker Five. It was pretty phenomenal. There were times that we lost hope where we waffled, where we wondered what we were doing. There was one uh, week where we realized that a lot of our paperwork that we had completed had expired, and we had to redo a bunch of it. That was hard. But in the end, uh, we met our goal, we adopted, we are still an adoptive family years later. We're a few days into the new year, 2021, and some of you perhaps out there or here in the room have wished for uh, resolutions. We're about 10 days in and I'm wondering, how are you doing? Are you keeping those goals? Are you making those resolutions and wishes come true? Are you waffling a little bit and struggling a little bit? If you don't make resolutions, maybe you just have life goals or you have disciplines in your life. And I want to ask you, what helps keep you focused? What keeps you motivated? Having a goal, a vision, is something that many of us attempt in our life. Some of us fail, some of us succeed, and maybe it's not an adoption, but maybe it's a home project. During COVID, maybe you've had some new goals for reading or education uh, or just new activities and hobbies. Maybe it's a business dream, a health goal, or I've heard a lot of people talk about reading goals, how many books they want to read per week or per month. Now, when you have goals like that, how do you achieve them? What keeps you dedicated to it? Well, here across, we're in a series right now about connect, how to connect in the church, why the church exists, and why specifically Crossview exists. Last week, Brian took us through Matthew 28 and looking at our vision statement at Crossview, which is that we are laser-focused on connecting you to Jesus and Jesus to your world. Now, having a vision statement is a lot easier when we, do, when we do this together, when we do this in community, when we're all committed to the same thing. It also helps us stay connected to Jesus and to one another, particularly in the hard days of winter. So last week, we talked about our vision, and this week, we get to talk about our strategy or how we accomplish that vision. Now, where did we get this from? Our strategy is not just from our minds, thank the Lord. It comes from Luke's account in the book of Acts. What life was like for this early church? That's how we try to reflect our life here at Crossview. It comes from Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42. So if you have a Bible or a device, please open that up as I pray. God, I feel like my prayer every minute of the last few months has just been help us. 
God help us. As we face 2021, Lord, with the heaviness of 2020 uh, still lingering, God help us. As we think about staying laser focused on you, Jesus, we need your help. We cannot do this without you. We can't do it without one another. So Lord, as we come to your word today, would you speak to us? Lord, as you continue to give us vision and strategy, would you speak to us, strengthen us, give us perseverance? Lord, as we come to your word, we trust that your spirit is speaking, and it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. So Acts 2, starting at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Do you hear all that? All of them were together. Everything was in common, and everyone who had need got what they needed. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Anybody want to be a church in a church like that? Man, I do, right? Amen. How amazing and exciting, probably overwhelming, and definitely messy those first days of the early church must have been. They were certainly connected to God and one another in many ways, weren't they? So the first thing that I want to look at is this word at the very beginning. It said that they devoted themselves. I looked up this word. We have it on the slide. In Greek, what does this word devoted mean? It means that they adhered themselves. They were steadfastly attentive. They gave constant care. They continued all of the time. They persevered. This Greek term is used three times in the first two chapters of the book of Acts, and it reflects, it describes the early church. Now, to what were they, were they devoted? What did they adhere themselves to? The apostles, or the early leaders of the church, to their teaching, to the fellowship, to eating together, and to prayer. Like I said last week, Brian took us through Matthew 28, what's called the Great Commission. And it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I told you, everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you, always to the end of the age. So a few weeks before this scene in Acts 2, Jesus was giving the disciples this command. And here we see in Acts 2, they listened. They were like we talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. They were wise. They listened to the word and they put it into practice. We see here in Acts 2 that they had taught the early church and they were listening. They listened to Jesus and they passed that along. It also says that they gathered together. They were devoted to fellowship. This is on the slide too. This Greek word is maybe one that you've heard of before, koinonia. Perhaps you've heard it as a name of a camp or something. Now, koinonia, fellowship, it's not just what happens sometimes after worship on a Sunday morning, you get your cup of coffee and your donut and you kind of chit-chat afterwards. That can be fellowship, but it's not just that. It's an intimate word that reflects the mutuality in marriage. It's a shared activity participation. 
It has the word coin in it, which means common. It's the same word used in verse 44 later on when it said they shared everything and they had everything in common. It also says they were devoted to breaking the bread together. Now, this can mean one of two things. It might literally mean they had dinner together, they broke bread together. It also might mean that during those meals, they took time to honor and to obey Jesus when he talked about when you eat, when you drink, remember me, the Lord's Supper and communion. We don't know for sure, though, but it could have meant that they also did that together. Also, it says they prayed. Now, I didn't know this before prepping for the sermon, but Luke was nuts about writing about prayer. In the book of Luke, which he wrote, and the book of Acts, which he wrote, he mentions prayer 34 times. That still astounds me. Now, it says that they went to the temple, and while they went to temple for temple worship, they did recite prayers. They had memorized prayers that they had known from childhood. So they likely used these written prayers, probably from the book of Psalms and other places, but they also, we see elsewhere in the book of Acts, that they prayed about decisions they needed to make. They prayed for God's will together. Now, there's more about the early church. We could talk about this all day, but I want to also describe to you who was in this church They were probably normal people, (laughs) normal people just like you and me. They were also from very different places around the countries. Jews and Gentiles, it says, came together to worship Jesus, to eat and to help. Earlier in chapter 2, it talks about this group of people that had started to gather. First off, they were in Jerusalem because it was a special festival. There were three festivals in the Jewish calendar that brought them to the city of Jerusalem, literally for miles and miles and miles in countries. This was one of those three festivals called Pentecost. We're not going to go into that too deeply. Feel free to do that on your own. But what's important here is that that is why there were so many different countries represented, and we read how the Holy Spirit fell on all of them. Countries are listed. Different languages are listed. And if you really get into it and you really study all of these different places where uh, these people had come from, it's astounding how diverse this early church was. It's from northern Africa, modern-day Iran, modern-day Turkey, all over the place. In that time, people who had known God and then come to understand that Jesus was the Son of God. Then it says, as they received the good news and this church started and this community grew, that people were being added to their number daily. Now, we don't know exactly how the you know, chronology happens here, but I imagine they're getting together, they're eating, they're going to temple to worship, they're still going to work, their kids are still playing together, and amazing things are happening, right? Signs and wonders. And so naturally, they're going to be talking about it. How else would the people have heard and been in awe? And I imagine that as they're going about their daily lives, they're inviting their neighbors. They're inviting others to understand and become part of what happens. And scripture says, daily people were added to their number. Oh, just must have been amazing. Now, if you want to read the story of how the early church continues on from Jerusalem and becomes a diverse early church, please continue reading the book of Acts. For us, we're going to come to today's modern-day church here at Crossview. We look at Acts, and we say, okay, what are the elements of that early church that we want to make sure stay the cornerstones, the posts of what we do here? And as we look at Acts, we see four major things. These will be on the slide. We see invitation. We see smaller community. 
We see radical generosity, and we see service. So first, we talk about inviting. Inviting people to come worship with us. Inviting them into our lives. When we do the Bless series, Bless is all about blessing like crazy all of those people who are around us and doing life together. We invite others to live out our strategy in smaller communities, to come serve with us, even to be radically generous, like joining us with running for clean water with Team World Vision and raising money so that we can partner uh, with our World Vision partners and bringing clean water. We want to be personally connected to Jesus. That is the first part of our vision statement. I want you to know who Christ is. And as Brian challenged us last week, to pass that on and connect Jesus to our world. And one of the ways that we do that is by inviting people into what we're doing, how we connect with Jesus. Think about your own spiritual life. Maybe it's been recent that it's been uh, reinvigorated, or maybe it's recent that you have come to understand who Jesus is. Maybe it's from a long time ago. Think back to the beginning of the start of the change for you understanding who Jesus is. I bet that it can start. It started when somebody invited you to a summer camp where they connected with Jesus, to a youth group where they were connecting with Jesus, to a worship service, to a small group. Maybe it was even reading a book or joining a small group and learning about a certain aspect about God. It probably started with an invitation. I think back to when I was in college, living the life my freshman year at Hamlin University, and every Thursday, this woman named Petra came and knocked on my door and invited me to InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. That began my spiritual journey of really understanding all that had been invested in me in my growing up years, finally coming alive as I started to follow Jesus in college. The first part of the strategy is inviting. Second is smaller communities. Just as the early church gathered smaller groups in homes for meals, they probably went to worship together. It says that they got together to study the apostles' teaching. We continue to do this today. Now, I will say that in COVID time, this has been so frustrating to not to be able to get people together as we were used to. But we've gotten creative, right? When COVID first hit, we started small groups at Rosa Parks way earlier than we had imagined, and many of you joined a small group on Zoom. Some people who are already in kind of like pods or bubbles, I guess we call it, what do we call them? COVID, like your COVID bubble. Uh, They already had that, and so they started to get together, and they started uh, talking about the sermon, getting together and talking about scripture. Alpha met this fall. We actually met in this room. We had a big screen. We socially distanced. We watched the videos together. Some people who didn't feel comfortable or couldn't come into the building for various reasons were on the screen with us, and we continued to meet in a smaller community. Well, January is a great time to consider small groups in our own lives, and it is going to be part of my new job here at Crossview. Aaron's going to be able to spend some more time focusing on next gen, and I'm stepping into small community. So just last week, I was on the phone messaging and emailing and calling people and asking people, hey, are you in a small group? If you're not interested, here's the list. Join one. And I also connected with some people who might be starting new ones. Maybe you're looking online and you're thinking like, I am just not finding anything. Well, perhaps you can pray and see if God is asking you to lead a group. Now, that's a little bit more promo than maybe what I meant to do at this point. But when I think about small groups, When I think about uh, past days, even in COVID, or in the last 10 or 15 years, some of the worst seasons of my life were made manageable because 
I was in a small group. When I was a young mom, moved to Duluth, had no friends, I joined the small group of grandmas and moms and grandmothers who really helped me get perspective on what was happening. When we faced challenging times as a young married couple with uh, an adopted child in our family, man, that first year or two was so important to have a small group of moms from that adoptive community who really understood what I was going through. So we invite We get into smaller communities, and the third is that we give generously. Now, as we look back just recently here at Crossview, we literally took a bus, put it out in front of church, invited you to come, and we stuffed that bus full of food. It was so funny to hear the staff talk after that happened, and they said, oh my gosh, we are so tired from lifting all that food. But what's even better uh, than that story is they, they talked about every time they brought a load into the Echo Food Shelf, the staff would say, hey, is that it? And the staff were like, no, that's not it yet. And they kept coming and they kept coming and they kept coming. Talk about awe and wonders. We were so grateful to be able to be generous. At Christmas Eve, we take an offering. We partner with a local mission and we financially help them out at the end of the year. We were able to do that this past Christmas as well uh, with the Partners for Affordable Housing. Just recently, we also, didn't, uh, we also just don't give money, right? We took up a collection of blankets and winter gear for international students at the university. We partnered with Bridges, with, which is Cruise Ministry to International Students at the campus, MSU. We went a few days ago, and I was able to be there and hand out some of the gear. And there was a woman who had literally stepped off a plane from India within the week. And the day we were handing out all the gear... It was a snowstorm, and so it was so great to be able to give this young woman clothes and blankets and a jacket so that she would be able to survive her first Minnesota winter. The fourth part of our strategy is that we serve. We serve at the Connections Ministry. We partner with My Place in Town, the backpack program that gets food to our children in need. Lincoln Community Center, which is educating immigrants and providing services for our people from across the planet, uh, we get to partner with them. One of my favorite things about this past fall, because of COVID, was that we got to go into the elementary school, Rosa Parks, and we got to serve all the kids their meals. It was so great. We got to see every teacher on Friday. We got to see all the students. We got to see some of your kids and say hello to them. Oh, man, that was so great. That was so great. Now, these four things are things that we've picked out from Acts 2. We do them because it's what Jesus instilled in the apostles and the apostles instilled in the early church. It's what the early church did, and it's what we are going to continue to do. And until Christ uh, comes back and we're all long gone, I trust it is what the church is going to continue to do until Jesus uh, comes and gives us all the big church, right, that we get to live in for all of eternity. So think about, again, your resolutions, the ways that you're going to live perhaps differently in 2021. As you heard those four parts of the strategy, maybe there's one of them you go, you know what, I don't really do that. I've never done that. I don't know how to do that. Maybe you are in a small group. Maybe you have been starting to give and you serve, but you haven't gone that extra step as Brian encouraged us last week where we are encouraging others to come and follow Jesus. Are there one or two people that maybe would be interested in your small group? Is there a way that you serve around town and it would be really easy to have your friend come along with you? 
Maybe you're not in a small group. I kind of did my plug for that already. Maybe you're not. And I, I just got to say, y'all, we are so isolated right now in COVID. I am connected in groups, and I still sometimes struggle with feeling isolated. And I just, oh man, I just pray that you would be able to find one or two people even to continue to connect with spiritually to encourage you. Maybe you don't give. And we don't talk about money a whole lot um, at Crossview. We preach on it and we definitely talk about it. We try not to, you know, get too much in your face about all things because we trust the Spirit speaking to you. But as I think about that fourth part of the strategy, it's not just giving. It's not just maybe your tithe. It talks about radical generosity. This early church gave so that no one was in need. They shared their possessions. It wasn't just giving kind of like the one section, right? It was a radical generosity. Maybe God has something to talk to you about when it comes to generosity. Now, we know stories from around our church. As Brian and I have only been here a few short years, two short years, we have heard dozens of stories from people who have been changed by Crossview. And it is encouraging. We are so grateful to be here. I've got my Crossview sweatshirt on. You can't see him. Brian's behind the computer wearing the same. We're so grateful to be part of Crossview. And as we think about the short time that Rosa Parks has been alive, and we think about the people who have been inspired to follow Jesus, people who have been invited into small group and into Sunday morning worship, they have not had a great church connection before, and somehow what their small group has been doing has helped them to feel like they're in a safe place, where they can talk about some of the hurts that they've had in the past, where they can share during small group and ask questions and give their insight. We've had people join Alpha and people who have not read their Bibles before and now committed to reading it more often and how Jesus is jumping off the page to them. We've heard people who need prayer, who are really struggling and hurting and who are so grateful that they have a small group that helps them as they are in chronic pain. We have people who have medical bills that have piled up, rent money that's due, and our deacons fund from Crossview has been able to help. There are people who sometimes life is just too much, and they are so grateful for their friends, for the prayer chain, for encouragement, so that they can get through one more day. Now recently, uh, one of my dear uncles died, and I was watching his funeral listening to the stories from his children, my cousins, and my uncle's pastors. And as I listened to the stories and the themes that continued to pop up about my uncle, you know, it made me think about, what's it going to be like at my funeral? What are people going to talk about when I'm gone? When I'm faced with death, how will I look back and see where I have made investments, where I've been devoted to things, where I've had vision, where I've had strategy, how do I want to use my time? Now, church planting is not something I imagined would come my way. And yet here we are, doing our best, partnering with you, starting Rosa Parks. I'm so grateful for that ability uh, to join you and the challenge, frankly, too. Perhaps it's morbid, but I also think it's an important question, particularly as we start a new year. How do you want to live your life this year? Maybe it's not morbid. Maybe it's just, again, thinking about vision. Thinking about strategy. What's worth your time? 
How are you going to be devoted? To what are you going to adhere yourself to? We hope and we pray that it'll be the basics of inviting, smaller community, service, radical generosity, all keeping in mind that we are laser-focused on Jesus and connecting Jesus to our world. Do you pray with me? Jesus, we want to join this story, the story of the early church that started thousands of years ago, Jesus, with your word, with your commission, with the apostles taking what you said and teaching it to others, and here we are in Mankato, continuing this story. Jesus, I pray for those who are listening today. Lord, I pray for Crossview. As we think about southern Minnesota, as we think about Mankato, Lord, people who need to know you, Jesus. We need to know you, Jesus. Would you help us as we think about who we can invite, as we think about how we can be involved in smaller community? Lord, as we can be radically generous because you are generous to us, Lord, and serving one another. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the early church, which is so inspiring to read about, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you have invited us to be part of this church. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.